no one was born a people pleaser. No one was born thinking they're not good enough. No one was born feeling crappy about themselves. Those are all learned behaviors, learned things. And so you have to understand where those things came from. So they come from, um, I mean, just anyway, I mean, the gosh, the, the possibilities are are endless. And then you have to, to do inner child work around it and begin to heal that inner child in you that feels or believes a certain thing about yourself that it just isn't true. I'm Krati Mehra, and this is Beyond the Goals podcast. It's my attempt to help you revel in all that life has to offer without pressing pause on your hustle. We learn how to create healthier relationships, a healthier lifestyle, a career that brings us true joy, and a life that satisfies us on every level. Forget the conventional ideas of success and happiness, because we're going to live a life of value and create an impact that speaks to our place in the world. So let's get started. And welcome back to Beyond the Goals. This is episode number 26. And today we are covering a lot of very relevant topics with a guest, Veronica Grant. Veronica is a love and life coach. And she reached out to me a while back about wanting to be a part of the show, which was great because Veronica has a very inspiring story. And there's a lot to be learned from it and a lot to be learned from how Veronica has built a strong life for herself and how she's helping others do the same. So if you're not already familiar with her story, for many years, Veronica has struggled with body image, which impacted her relationship with food, romantic partners, her relationship with self, and how she showed up in the world. But she overcame all those challenges, learned from them, and is using her own experience, her own pain to help others. So today we dive into Veronica's story, and then we go on to discuss how she built a healthy relationship with her food, her body, and how you can do the same to ultimately build a strong sense of self-worth and healthier romantic relationships, how you can identify and overcome dysfunctional beliefs, how parents can help their kids be more body positive, and the best part of the, the episode was where Veronica talks about inner child work, how crucial it is for emotional well-being, and how you can get started on your own even if you're not yet ready to approach a professional, how therapy differs from coaching, a check-in to ensure that you're ready to date before you dive into the world of dating, seeking external validation in a healthy, balanced way, and much, much more. Seriously, we covered a whole lot in this episode. There's a lot to learn, so let's get to it very thrilled to connect with you and I'm glad you reached out to me and I read your story I have been following your work and you have a very very inspiring story oh thank you so yeah so I'm glad that you're a part of the show and I can't wait to get to know you and uh, really understand the journey that you've been on you know that got you here from being someone who was struggling with so many issues to someone who is helping other people overcome those same issues. Yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah. the kind of story I think that drives change because when you know you're talking to someone who really is in a is in the perfect position to empathize with your issues, I think that really inspires you. Yeah. So let's start with that. Let's start with your story. Let's start with your journey. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been so far back you want to go, but <laughs> I, um, <laughs> let's just help the listeners know you a little. Yeah. So the first time I felt fat was I was, um, 11 or no, 10 years old and I was on the bus going to sixth grade. And I knew in that moment, like, Oh, I feel fat. Like I don't feel good in my body. And because of seeing the other women in my family, I knew that there was a solution or, you know, at the time I thought it was a solution. And so that was to start counting my calories. And that's exactly what I did. And I did that off and on um, until about seven ish years ago. Um, 
And that was just constantly reinforced, you know, throughout my upbringing. Um, the women in my family always commented on the younger generation's women's bodies, you know, like, oh, you're looking really thin, you're looking really good, or like, oh, it looks like you've gained some weight. And and so at the time, I didn't realize this. But looking back, it was very clear to me that being validated for how I looked and my body became akin to receiving attention and receiving attention when you're a kid can be very easily confused with love. Right. right? And so I'm like, okay, so if I look a certain way, then people will like me slash people will love me. Right. And that didn't just exist within my family. I learned that's how I can get attention from other people. You know, even like with girlfriends, like, you know, I'm, I'm a straight woman, but even with like girlfriends, I was like, oh, they're going to think I'm cooler if I'm skinnier. Um, and then, you know, it started, you know, like as like tween love in middle school, but then I carried, you know, um, with me throughout, you know, my early adulthood of, oh, I can attract um, any guy that I want if I look a certain way, particularly like if I was a certain body size. And I really, really believe that, you know, I had a girlfriend who was, um, uh, you know, she's just a naturally very slender person. And I remember looking at her one time thinking, man, she's so lucky. She could have any guy she wanted. So I, I really, really believe this. And so again, looking back, it's not super surprising that um, even though I desperately wanted a relationship, um, like a serious long-term relationship, all I was attracting were guys who wanted like just hookups, one night stands, um, you know, hookup buddies, whatever. And it makes sense because that's the only way I was able to connect with, with, with men. And of course at the time I didn't know that, but, uh, but now looking back, it was very clear. And so kind of by accident, um, I worked on the Obama campaign in 2012. And for any of your listeners who have ever been on a, on a political campaign, it's your life. Like you just, you don't have another life besides working <laughs> on, on the job. Right. So okay. I was working from probably like 7 a.m. to about 9 or 10 o'clock at night, seven days a week, literally. Um, and so with that kind of lifestyle, I don't have time to cook. I don't have time to count my calories. I don't have time, to honestly, to eat healthy, you know? And so I ate probably the most unhealthy I ever had in my entire life. And um, and not that I think the solution forever is like eating unhealthy, but what it got me to do is, it first of all, it made me stop counting all the calories. And then after the campaign ended, I was so tired and just honestly burnt out from the job that I just didn't even have the energy to like, quote unquote, get back into it. Like I didn't want to get back on the train in terms of like counting calories. And so I just didn't. And at the same time, I had this friend um, who was a vegan and she started blogging about being a vegan. And this is back when like being vegan was cool. And, um, and she was posting all of her vegan food and was like, and like the food looks so good. And she just, I mean, it looked, it looked gorgeous and it looked tasty and it looked healthy and she just loved everything about it. It was like this full yeah. body experience to eat this food that she was always posting about. And I was like, I want my relationship with food to be like that. And so at the time I was like, oh, I must be vegan in order to have that kind of relationship with food. And so, I mean, I had been a vegetarian my whole life. So um, going vegan wasn't like a huge you know, step, but I was like, all right, I'm going to be vegan. And so I was vegan for quite some time. I'm not vegan anymore. Um, But what that did, it was a really pivotal time in my life because when I became vegan and I really began to just like enjoy my food and, and 
you know, make it tasty and um, also like feel it literally like nourishing my body, then all of a sudden food didn't become, or it was no longer like this transactional thing. It was, um, it was, it was just exactly what it is. It was nourishment and it was also pleasure and it was fun. And, um, and so kind of like around the back door, I was able to um, accidentally, I guess you could say, heal my relationship um, with food. And so in turn, I also began the journey, I would say, of healing my relationship with with my body. It just all stopped becoming transactional. Um, and it's not surprising, again, at the same, around that same time um, was when I met my husband. And I really do believe that we, we relate to our romantic partners the way that relate, we relate to food in our bodies. So like, if we think that we have to look a certain way, um, then we're going to eat a certain way or exercise a certain way. And, you know, it's very transactional, right? And so, um, and there's a good chance you might have that same kind of relationship with a romantic partner, like, oh, I must do this in order to get their attention, or I must do this in order to get their love. Um, and so once I was able to heal that with food, then I was no longer doing that with men. And so, um, yeah, it was it was freaking life-changing. It was amazing. That's, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> but there are so many points in your story. Like, first of all, when you were, you said you were in sixth grade, the first time you sort of called yourself fat in your own head you labeled yourself as something unattractive in your head based on what your weight was and you shared that issue sort of with your family and instead of helping you and helping you see a different perspective on the issue they sort of confirmed what you were thinking right yeah well they didn't know how I actually felt they didn't know that it was a sticking point like I, I was too um I don't know if I would say I was ashamed of how I felt. It was more of that it wasn't a safe space to be like, I don't feel good in my body or I feel fat because I don't know how they would have reacted, but there's a chance where it would have been mixed messaging. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know, actually. I don't know how they would respond. But either way, I didn't feel, um, I just didn't feel comfortable and safe. It's just because it was just a very like, again, like yeah. women are supposed to look a certain way kind of family. Of course. And I think... For a, for a kid in sixth grade to feel like that, I think that's very, very normal. A lot of us, yeah. we're sort of, we are changed, our bodies are changing. We're sort of learning new things, exploring new things, wanting new things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very, very natural for us to sometimes feel too good about ourselves and sometimes feel so awful about ourselves that we are, you know, we start hating our body. But And I don't know if we can really make a sixth grader understand what the right protocol is in those moments, because I think they're all emotion at that age. Logic isn't really very present in those moments. But if like speaking to any parent listening to the show, if your family had reacted a certain way that could have helped you through that issue at that very point, what would have been the the most appropriate reaction to a kid struggling? As you said, your parents or your family didn't quite understand what you were going through. They didn't actually realize how you were feeling. Yeah. But what would you suggest to any parent listening to this? What is the what would be the most appropriate way to handle an issue like that if your kid is feeling all of these things? Well, I think that you know it has to start from long before sixth grade. I, I don't have a sixth grader, so I can't speak to that specifically. But what I can say is. Um, you know, what I can say is, I think that, well, first of all, we live in a society that reinforces this message. You know what I mean? Like, so like, no matter what parents do, especially for girls, 
it's almost impossible to completely bypass all the messaging around weight loss and being a certain way. So I think on some level, we probably have to give ourselves some grace. Um, And then, you know, beyond, beyond that, you know, I think as young as possible, you start, um, honestly, it's how you treat yourself and talk about yourself. I mean, the reason that I knew feeling fat was a thing was because I watched my mom you know, always talk about how she just had five more pounds to lose. And she was always like on and off some diet thing. And just always like, she was just always talking about it, always talking about it. Um, Like, oh, I don't want to eat too much. I don't want to overeat. So I think, so kids pick up on that, you know, from a very, very young age. And so I think that's first and foremost, like the way you talk to yourself, the way you treat your body, like if your kid were to see that, because they will, (laughs) is that how you want them to talk to themselves? And if the answer is no, then you've got to do the work yourself so that you're not projecting that onto your kid. Honestly, I think that's gonna make the biggest difference ever because you're right, like a six-year-old, or not a six-year-old, a sixth grader is not necessarily gonna be like, okay, mom, yeah, I'm not fat. Like, okay, fine. (laughs) I'm not gonna believe it. Yeah, exactly. At that point, they they already feel it. And so- but let's say it's too late for that, right? Like, let's say your kid's already in sixth grade and you know that, you know, she's feeling fat. Then I think the more just like body positive reinforcement and like, I wouldn't talk about weight loss or body sizes looking a certain way because what we know is we know that BMI is crap. We know that, um, you know, there is health as every size. Um, and, you know, we know that people who can, you know, be in larger bodies have great numbers in terms of like blood pressure and cholesterol. And then people in smaller bodies can have really horrible numbers when it comes to that. So it's like literally yeah. body size yeah. does not dictate how healthy you are. And so I think the more you can just create an environment of um, just encouraging health um, and, and feeling good in the body and trusting the body, I think um, the... Um, you know, the, the better off you are, you know, like, like I used to get criticized, like, oh, that's a lot of calories. Like, do you know how many calories is in that? And so then I just, but I was like really, really hungry. I'm a growing kid, you know? So of course I'm going to probably eat more than like your average adult because that's what kids do. And I'm sure with boys is even more, I don't know. And so I think also the more that parents can help reinforce trusting the body, um, you know, so like if a kid isn't hungry, a kid's not freaking hungry. Don't make them eat. If a kid is hungry, don't judge them on how much they eat. Just let them eat and they'll figure it out. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure I could talk a lot more, but that's some of the things that I would <laughs> look yeah. at. And and yeah, and I think, you know, I've always said this on the show, on, in, on my blog, everywhere. I always say this, that being a parent is one of the most challenging things in the world. It's like the most challenging job. <laughs> yeah. But I would say this from my own experience, from, the, from having spoken to other kids and other parents, your child is listening to, literally everything you say they absorb everything (laughs) they may not react in the moment but they are listening and watching all the time so just try and not I mean I know your parents have their own emotional struggles I mean just because you're a parent doesn't mean you just stop being human you're human you have your own struggles try to not attach labels to your kid and try to make sure that their self-esteem is not attached to anything you know like anything physical or even achievement based it's just yeah their self-esteem should be about who they are as a person how they show up in the world yeah not what they achieve or what they don't achieve or how they look or don't look that yeah let's <laughs> yeah I think we all have a role to play we all uh, sort of you and I we have a social media account we put out messages on a regular basis I think we can all help but 
I think this message begins at home. The parents are the first uh, source of influence here. Yeah, I just want to emphasize like my point. I think the most important thing is, um, you know, to to do your own work. You know, I do, I'm not like a parenting coach or anything, but I do a lot of inner child work with my clients. So like we develop like, you know, just kind of like my story kind of was a, a good example of that, how we develop beliefs about ourselves, men, women, love, relationships, the world from a young age and like yeah you're right parents are human so like you're not going to be perfect and so you are going to project some of your own stuff onto your kids but I think that the more that you can do your own work then um then the better off you're going to be so yeah I think there was another point in your story where you said that of course you had a dysfunctional relationship with your body wherein your idea was that if I were to look you know this thin or have this body weight I could have you know, great relationships. And I know that a lot of people feel that way. I think another thing to take away from your story is that that is not true. You can have your ideal body. It, it would have no influence at all to on your relationship. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't have an influence. It has an influence if you let it have an influence. You know what I mean? And so um, I think that I think that we have to really real with ourselves. And like, I'm going to just speak as a woman seeking a man, like, are there men out there who want a woman to look a certain way um, and be a certain size? A hundred percent. Like they exist. We can't pretend like they don't exist, but then they're just not that person for me. And that's fine. You know, if they want someone that's like a size, whatever, then like, cool, have fun, (laughs) but it's not going to be with me. Um, And so I think when we resist that and then we make it about ourselves, that's when the spiral starts and that's when it then becomes like this hole you're trying to climb out of to date and that's just a really 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 hard and not fun honestly place to to be so I think the more you can be like yeah there are assholes out there that want size two women you know big boobs blonde hair blue eyes and like cool like that's fine like they're allowed to want that if that's what they want you know and then just and then just move on when we make a story about it that's when things become really detrimental Yeah. And if that's the basis of your relationship, then you also go into that relationship knowing that as long as you maintain that body, that relationship will flourish the day that you let go of that body. And you will, of course, we all have ups and downs in our lives. We all have struggles that overtake everything else in our life. Then your relationship may just flounder and die at that point. If that, yeah, if you're okay with that, then that's maybe that's what you should do but if not you should maybe look a little deeper or stay single for a while and work on yourself yeah and uh, um yeah and another point that i <laughs> that i would really like to uh point out here is that you said that your friend used to like take pictures of her food and you know is, that's what you shared right that she used to put it up on social media and celebrate her. yeah she had this blog and it was like the first blogger that I followed, you know, it was like back when like taking pictures of your food was cool and um, blogging was becoming more of a thing. And so she was, yeah, she was literally one of the blog- first blogs that I followed. Um. Yeah. So how cool is that? I mean, we are always so focused on the negatives of like everyone criticizes the idea of taking picture of your food. I mean, nobody understands why anybody's <laughs> doing it, but look how celebrating Seriously, your food, yeah. <laughs> celebrating that it's sort of like this the social idea is that it's so ridiculous why would you take pictures of your food but celebrating your food and making it so be, being so public about it can inspire so many people and i think that was a yeah, turning point yeah, for totally. you right yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah, awesome yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to point that out <laughs> there are upsides totally. to everything and there was another point where you said that your rom- romantic partner is going to have a massive amount of influence on your relationship with 
basically every other aspect of your life. So I know that you you started dating and you uh, that was I think you said that that was a point where things started changing for you. So can we talk about how being in a relationship? You were in a relationship. You hadn't done the work by that point. So how did you start your healing journey? Um, well, I mean, it was it was really that whole experience with accident. Well, not accidentally, but deciding to become a vegan, and that accidentally, you know, healed my relationship with with food. And so, during this whole time, I was still dating, but I wasn't really connecting the two. You know, I, I didn't really connect the two until after I met my husband, and I was like, why did this relationship just feel so easy and feel so right? And and um, there's this funny little story the night that my husband and I met we were at a bar actually and um and uh we were there with some friends and we were talking and um you know then we kind of just went off and started talking to each other and we were sitting at this booth and he put his hand on my knee and I was wearing like a shorter skirt so like he it was like my skin that he put his hand on and he's like oh your skin's so soft how do you get your skin so soft and I looked at him dead in the eye and I was just like kale <laughs> and um because at that point I'd been drinking so many green smoothies and um and it's it, I mean it's a funny story that we talk about but at the same time when I look back and I'm like yeah like I I really believe that I really do think my skin was really soft because I was eating kale and drinking a lot of water and all these other things that are good for me um and it was just a turning point and like yeah I'm just really nourishing myself I'm just really taking care of myself nothing is a transaction anymore um and so again it was all accidental healing now there were some therapists involved um you know i, I worked with a spiritual counselor a few uh a few years prior to that when i had a really low point in my relationships um and that certainly began some of the healing process because that's when i really began to connect the dots of like oh you mean not everyone's family is like this kind of thing um and so that helped me connect some of the dots um and um that was that was super helpful, but I wouldn't say that like I was healed after that therapy. I mean, we're never healed, but like I still had some learning and unlearning to do after that that spiritual counselor. Right. Yeah, it's it's a continuous process, but you you were already eating healthy. You were sort of taking care of yourself, and your relationship with your food was no longer transactional. You were enjoying it. So for people out there who are you know who are not in that place yet, so how can you learn to feel good about yourself? despite all of that, despite all your struggles, despite the external noise, because if your relationship with your body is not good, it's probably because you're listening to what you, you know, the, the world is telling you and that's influencing how you look at your body, what you see in the mirror. So what, according to you, is helpful at that point? What can help these people feel good about themselves? Yeah, so I think I mean, there's a few pieces to it. One is just simply how do you treat yourself? Like if you treat yourself like dirt, you're probably going to feel like dirt. Um, so that's number one. And number two is I think it's really important to understand where do these beliefs come from? You know, like no one was born a people pleaser. No one was born thinking they're not good enough. No one was born feeling crappy about themselves. Those are all learned behaviors, learned things. And so you have to understand where those things came from. So do they come from the way your mom and dad treated you? They Did they come from absent a mom and dad or absent mom and dad? Do they come from, um, I mean, just anyway, I mean, the gosh, the, the possibilities are, are endless. And then you have to, you know, this is, I mean, this is like a whole, I mean, this is what I do my work around. So um, <laughs> I'll, I'll kind of explain it in a nutshell, but then basically you have to do inner child work around it and begin to heal the inner child in you that feels or believes a certain thing about yourself that it just isn't true. Um, it's like you're wearing an old pair of glasses with the wrong prescription. So you're seeing yourself in a in just a wrong way. Like like you're not you, you don't have to earn your love, right? But if you felt like you had to do that to 
earn attention from your mom or dad, then like you probably believe you have to earn love, kind of like the way I did with my body. And so you have to unlearn that, you have to heal that. Um, and then that changes how um, you then treat yourself and how you feel about yourself. And so once you do some of that underlying like foundational healing work, then I think the easiest thing, I shouldn't say it's not, easiest is not the right word. <laughs> the simplest yeah, yeah. thing to do is um, allow yourself to eat whatever you want and exercise. I don't like the word exercise, move whenever you want or don't want. And, and here's what I mean. So a lot of times when, okay, let's say you're having a quote unquote bad day and you decide to eat a whole pizza and then you feel like crap about yourself. Well, if you feel like crap about yourself, you're probably going to want to eat pizza the next day because you feel like crap. And then you're going to feel like crap because you eat more pizza and you're going to keep feeling like crap during more pizza. And it's just like the spiral that's hard to get out of right? But if you just allow yourself to eat as much pizza as you want, you probably will eat some pizza because pizza is good, right? So you probably will eat a lot of pizza. But if you just allow yourself to do that, no shame, no judgment, just allow yourself to eat as much pizza as you want. At some point, the body will be like, hmm, I don't think I want pizza anymore. I want something a little lighter. Maybe like, you know, a chicken breast or maybe like a salad or something like that. And then you're going to crave that. So I do believe that the body will um, naturally reach balance if given the opportunity, but you have to give it the opportunity to reach balance. Um, but so, the, so like, it's easy in that, like you eat whatever you want, you move whatever, whenever, however much you want. So that's like the quote unquote easy part, but it's not easy to do that and not feel shameful or feel bad or, you know, beat yourself up about it. That part's hard. Um, and so that's why you want to do inner child work underneath that. So you've got some emotional healing and some emotional blocks going on. But yeah, the body will crave balance if you give it the opportunity to. If you don't give it the opportunity to, then like, yeah, you're never going to want to go off the couch and you're going to want to eat ice cream all day long. Um, but at some point, your body's going to be like, I don't want ice cream anymore. I want something else. You know, I was I was pregnant most of last year and I ate more ice cream than I ever had in my entire life. Like I ate so much ice cream last year. And um, and I can even feel it, like some of those old ways creeping in, like, ooh, that's a lot of ice cream. Should I eat that? Ooh, I don't know. I had ice cream last night. Should I have it again tonight? I had it this morning. Should I have it again today? You know what I mean? Like, I, I was eating a lot of ice cream. And I just had to, like, tell myself, like, I can eat what I want. And at some point, my body's going to be like, I don't want ice cream anymore. And guess what? Like, a week later, I don't want ice cream anymore. So I haven't eaten ice cream. And, like, ever since I had my baby, yeah. I've hardly eaten ice cream because I ice cream myself out last year. But if I want some ice cream, I'll get some ice cream. I'm not saying I'm not having ice cream anymore. <laughs> but the point is, is that, like, my body, was like, okay, we've had enough ice cream now. Let's eat something else. And that's what I did. Yeah. I mean, if you're pregnant, you're you're creating life. You are allowed a lot of things during that <laughs> period. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a whole different that's a whole other different thing. But the, you know, the point is is I ate a lot of ice cream last year and it's okay. <laughs> it's no, okay. It, it makes sense. I mean, if you notice a lot of toxic emotion, a lot of negative emotions, you need to pause for a second and make note of those emotions and try and figure out where it's coming from whether and whether it even makes sense or not because a lot of the times in fact most of the time the negativity that you feel it's it's it doesn't make sense it has no logic to it it's pure emotion and it's more often than not it's just you know stories that you built up in your head so what you're suggesting is that we need to well i would i would actually i would actually say it does make sense right like it made sense that I felt bad in my body and I felt like I needed to be skinnier. You know what I mean? What I he mean here is that when you sort of take that, take that emotion out and you examine it and you put it in the bigger picture, in ev considering everything that's going on in your life, your weight is, of course, important. Yeah. How you look is, of course, important. But that's not all there is to you, right? There, there's so many things going on in our lives. We could be, we could be overweight according to our own selves. 
or we could be amazing writers, amazing singers, great daughters and great friends. So there's so much more going on there, but you shrink yourself to just that one label. And that's what I mean here, that 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 doesn't yeah. make sense and you shouldn't be doing that. So what you, you're saying about inner child work, I think that's just something that I want everyone to make note of because it is very important to know where your stories are coming from and I would like to discuss how you help people because I know you have your own programs and I would get to that in a in a second. But so you're you're suggesting inner child work. Is there a way to do that independently without approaching professionals? Because I'm sure you're aware that it is a struggle, right? Noting your making a note of your problems and actually approaching a professional, there's a journey there. So for people who are not quite ready to approach a coach like yourself, what is it that they can do? What are the tools that they can use to do some of that inner child work on their own? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I, um, well, I think an easy thing to do is just say, is that really true? Or like, where, where does this come from? You know, if you're feeling triggered, let's say like you're texting, let's say you're on the apps or whatever, and you're texting with someone and they ghost or they don't text you back or whatever, you know, it could be any number or it could be a relationship you're in and like you get triggered. It doesn't matter. Then I think what you want to ask yourself, I mean, there's a couple of things, but one thing you can ask yourself is what does this remind me of? So if you're feeling really triggered, it's bumping up against a deep, like it's just bumping up against something, right? Like it's not just about the thing that's actually happening in real time. And so you say, hmm, what have I felt like this before? Or what does this remind me of? And you might think, oh, this person actually reminds me of my dad or my mom. Or, oh, I used to feel like this all the time when my parents were too busy to spend time with me or whatever. You know what I mean? And so once you can begin connecting dots, I think that's a great thing to begin doing without a coach. Um, because a coach is, re- well, I don't know if there's that many coaches that do inner child work. I mean, I know there are some for sure. Um, but, you know, if you can connect some dots on your own, that's a great place to start um, on your own. Because then like a coach can come and help you. And this is what I do with my clients, heal some of those old wounds and beliefs through reparenting, through healing, through questioning the beliefs, through um, just like some, you know, <laughs> neural reprogramming, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I also like, look, like, obviously, I'm biased, I'm a coach, all that kind of stuff. But I also think that there's so much value in working with just a third party who is non-biased and who can um, see what you can't see, right? Because a lot of times our blocks are in our blind spots. You know, I was just, um, I was just texting with a client before this call, actually. And she was like, really freaking out because she was like, am I saying the right thing? Like, I'm texting this to people on the apps, and I'm not getting response. So I must be saying something wrong. And so like, she, you know, listed a few things of potential first liners to say that she was messaging guys on the apps with. I'm like, I'm like, look, like, you know, you can play this game if you want, you can try to come up with the best pickup line or whatever first line of, of an app if you want if that's the game you want to play but this goes back down to how you don't really trust yourself and like you know and like I won't get into all of your details but it basically was bumping up against the core wound so it's like is the is what's the real issue here is the real issue that you don't know what to say first on the apps or is the real issue that you don't really trust yourself to do anything right yeah. Yeah. you know I would say that's the real issue and the situation on the apps is just a manifestation of that issue and so a lot of dating coaches just talk about what's going on in the apps. And I'm like, I don't know how you like do that because like, yeah, I could, I could probably just help her come up with the perfect thing to say. And maybe she would get more people replying back. Maybe she would get more dates. Maybe she would have more sex, but at the end of the day, more dates and more sex is just more dates and more sex. And it has nothing to do with being in a healthy, happy, long-term relationship. And so I'm more interested in seeing her heal the thing that's making her not trust herself to say the right thing on the apps, because then she's, healing some core wounds, she won't get as triggered and 
in a relationship, she's going to become more emotionally available because she's doing this healing work. So therefore, she's going to attract emotionally um, available partners. Um, and she's going to know what to say yeah. on the apps. She's yeah. going to trust yeah. herself. That makes sense. <laughs> so um, I, I just think a lot of the dating, yeah, I just think a lot of the dating advice out there is just very shallow, very short sighted. And it's all and like, if people are being really honest about it, it's really more about just how to have more dates and have more sex and yeah. has nothing to do with love. Unless that's your goal, then go for it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, if yeah. your goal is to have more dates because they're fun and to have sex because it's fun, then you go for it. Yeah. Like you have fun and you do what you need to do to do that. But I shouldn't say but. And the women in my community as a whole are looking for more than yeah. dates yeah. and sex. And so we have to do you know, my whole, my whole like slogan motto for my business is deep work, deep love. So in order to have that deep love, you have to do the deep work. That's beautiful. <laughs> that is a very strong message there. Let's talk a little bit about your programs and how you are helping people. Yeah. Well, so I just want to say one thing. Um, one thing that you have to look, look out for is there's a difference between someone being an asshole and being triggered, right? Yeah. So, and, 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 it can be both, right? So like someone, just because you're triggered by someone because they were an asshole, like that doesn't mean that's on you and it's your stuff. It means, no, the other person's being an asshole. So you should hold them accountable, whether it's breaking up with them, drawing a boundary, whatever. So I just want to point that out. Um, yeah, so I work with clients um, mostly one-on-one, um, but I have a group coaching program and I love working in small group, but I run that from late spring through summer and it's super fun. Um, it's, it has one-on-one coaching involved. It's called Love Incubator. Um, and we also do group calls and, you know, it's, it's really best of both worlds. Obviously I love working one-on-one. I love just diving in deep with my clients. Um, but there's something really special about having a small group of women to go alongside this process with you. Cause a lot of times our friends can be very negative or triggering that they love you. They don't mean to be like your friend, you know, yeah, she's not yeah. meaning to be mean, but she's, you know, she's just expressing her love and maybe not the help, most helpful way. But the cool thing about the incubator is when, when women are doing this kind of work, they're like, there's a shared language, a shared energy, you know? And so it just can be really, really inspiring. So I love running that program. I run that once a year again. And then, um, that's pretty much it. I have a podcast where I coach people. So if you're interested in this inner child work and you're like, Hmm, I'm kind of curious what that looks like. Then I recommend listening to my podcast. It's called The Love Life Connection. Um, and every other episode um, is a coaching call where I have, I don't know them at all. Well, sometimes they're my clients, but sometimes, most of the time, they're not. They're just someone who has signed up for a call. I don't, you know, it's an unscripted coaching call. They just tell me their question live on the air. So I don't know what they're going to ask me and I coach them. Um, and so if you're interested in, you know, my work, but you want to get a flavor for my style. Although I think this conversation has, <laughs> I think you get a good sense of my style. Like yeah, I, I go yeah. very deep, but I also, I also can be fairly lighthearted as well. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't mess around. We, we go deep and we go right to whatever the issues are. Um, but anyways, those episodes can give you a really good sense as to, um, yeah, the kind of coach I am, the kind of work I do with my clients, what inner child looks like. Um, you know, if your client, if you're, I mean, if your listeners are new to coaching, just know that not every coach is like this. Every coach has their own style. Of course. Um, you know, so I don't want to be representing the entire coaching industry because I don't, I don't take that, I take on that burden or anything like that. It's just my style and 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 what I do. Um, you know. Yeah. Well, with, they can all my people. Your podcast. I mean, that would give you a pretty good idea of your style. And I think you also have some free resources on your website. I encourage my listeners to check those out because they are, I think, pretty good. And they can yeah. get started on this journey. 
Totally. Yeah. I have a workshop. Um, it's called the five steps to ending overwhelm and anxiety and dating. And so there I talk, I talk about it's intro to inner child work. So I teach on it a little bit more. Um, and then I also talk about some other common issues that I notice. um, among uh, women that keep them struggling and in love. So I'll save some of those other things for the workshop. So you can go sign up for that. Um, but you can grab that at veronicagrant.com forward slash workshop. Yeah, I'll share all of those links. But uh, let's go back. So as we were talking about, you know, you, you shared some of uh, how you are helping people, how women get triggered when they're on these dating apps. And, and of course, uh, I would just like to point out that, you know, there are people out there who have had some very real uh, traumatic experiences. And uh, with them, I think the struggle is of a different variety. I think you need professional help before you can actually put yourself out there and open yourself up to new experiences. So, uh, of course, this is not... When we are talking about these things, we talk about in a more general sense. We're not talking about people who've been through uh, major trauma or trauma. Like, of course, there's a spectrum of trauma of any kind. I would just like to add that here. Um, Because (laughs) because I think there is uh, sort of... We we want to encourage people to not let their negative emotions lead their experiences but at the same time you also have to understand that there are people with very real issues out there uh so oh for sure yeah i always tell clients that if they've experienced trauma whether it was like childhood trauma or you know something traumatic in adulthood um you know, I, I always say, look, like everyone's their own person so they can decide what's best for them. But I recommend working with a trauma-informed therapist. Yes. Um, I don't think talk therapy is necessarily going to be the best thing in the world um, because you don't, wanna re- you don't need to relive the trauma. And a lot of times talk, talk therapy you know, can do that. And so I would just work with a trauma-informed therapist. Um, you can also do, um, I really recommend uh, like somatic therapy, which is basically like, because I, I, I think we store like trauma and, and, and emotions in the body. And so somatic therapy is going to really help you work through some of those things in, in the body. Um, and then I think you can be really great for coaching. Yeah, thank you for adding that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think like, look, like coaching is healing, coaching is therapeutic, but it's not therapy. And I think um, some coaches aren't super um, honest with that because they just want the client, you know what I mean? And, and I'm like, okay, yeah, of course I want clients. I have a business. I'm not going to be shy about it. But at the same time, like I want it to be the right client. I want it to be a right fit because it's good for my client, but it's also good for me too because it's a good for business when my clients do well, you know, and they're in the right place. And so at the same time, like I don't tell clients, oh, you need to go to a therapist first or you need to do this. I might say, hey, this is outside of my, yeah. you know. Yeah. not jurisdiction, my sphere or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, my clients are adults and they can figure out what they need. Um, I will tell you that a lot of my clients um, go to therapy looking for something, but what they're really looking for is coaching. And so then they get disappointed with therapy. And so what that means is um, they're like really struggling in dating, let's say. And, and again, no, no, you know, capital T trauma, or maybe they've had capital T trauma, but they've worked through it with, with some sort of trauma informed therapist. And now they're just looking to improve dating because dating has been a struggle, right? And so they go to a therapist because that's more widely known than coaching, especially dating coaching and love coaching. And so then, you know, they'll go to the therapist and they'll talk and blah, blah, blah. And then like, nothing really changes. It, they might feel better by talking about some of this stuff. Um, they might connect some more dots, you know, understand why they're doing what they're doing because of like whatever thing happened in childhood. So they might understand that better, but then like nothing actually changes. That's super common thing that I see among my clients. And that's because again, therapy is like very much like if you imagine like you're standing in a room and there's a chair in the middle of the room, therapy's like, okay, we're going to stand here and we're going to talk about what you see. 
So you see the chair, you see the backdrop against the chair, but then you're going to walk to the other side of the room and you're going to talk about the chair from that angle. And then it's going to have a different backdrop because you're standing on the other side of the room. That's what therapy is. Lots of healing in that, but it's not necessarily going to change the day to day because then you have to like take that next step and actually start driving the car. And so coaching is like, you're not standing on the side of the room talking about the chair. Coaching is you're sitting in the chair. Yeah, I'm sitting in a chair next to you. And that chair is actually the driver's seat of a car. And I'm in the passenger seat. And I've got Google Maps whipped open. I'm like, all right, we can go this way. And it's going to be like this, or we can go that way. And it's going to be like this. Yeah. And then I'll help you get there. That's coaching. And so I think it's really important for people to be really clear as to um, what it is that they're really needing. Yeah, this was awesome. And this is, I think, very informative. So therapy is more for healing and then coaching, maybe, you know, you build on that uh, sort of you get yourself something of a clean slate, and then you will begin building on that. Because if you are carrying a lot of trauma with you, it's always going to corrupt your experiences. And that's so unfair. I'm a massive fan of therapy. Therapy has helped me a lot. So thank you for adding that. And I would you know, I would really like for people who are in pain to go seek therapy. And once you feel confident and once you feel more comfortable in your own body, dealing with your own mind, then you can seek coaching and you can start building on that and build like a powerful life for yourself. So yeah, that, that was really, really helpful. And I've, I've had a dating coach on my uh, show before and I asked this question and this this question really interests me. Is there like a checklist that you have or that you would draft if you were to draft one for people? So what would you put on that checklist if that checklist were to tell you whether you're ready for dating or not? Okay, so this checklist is whether or not you're ready for dating. Because I thought this question was going a different direction. I thought you were going to talk about like a perfect man checklist. And I'm like, throw it <laughs> no, out. No, um, no, no. Come on. Yeah. That's that's extremely subjective. <laughs> I think each to his own. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a question I get all the time. You know, sometimes I get clients coming to me and they're like, well, you know, Veronica, I'm not really dating right now. So maybe I should work with you and I'm ready to date. And I'm like, no, now is the perfect time to work with me because we're going to clean all the muck up and then you can go out and date. So, you know, it's not black and white. Um, ultimately, it's, you know, each person's decision as to whether or not they're ready to date. But here's what I think is, it's not so much a checklist, but it's just like a check-in. Um, so if if you were to go on the apps, and let's say you message someone, and either they didn't mix, message you back, or maybe you're messaging, and they ghosted you, or nothing really happened, like, how would you react? You're allowed to be disappointed. You're allowed to feel rejected. That's all part of the that's all part of it. You know, if you have to be willing to accept those facts, if you're going to be dating, right. But I want to know, like, are you going to feel triggered? Are you going to let it get to you? Are you going to let it ruin your evening or your day or your week? Are you going to make stories about it? Like, Oh, no one wants me. What's wrong with me? I must be too fat. I must be this must be too old, whatever. So if that's where your mind's at, you're not ready to date. You're way, way too triggerable. (laughs) That's not really a word. And You've got you've got some healing to do because everything is bumping up against some core wound that's there. Um, but if you can date and you can and and you can go online, you can message people. They may not message you back, but you're like, all right, that sucks. I'm a little disappointed, but you know what? Such is life. It's not about me. It's about them. And you can keep moving forward. Then I think you're in a great place to date. That doesn't mean you don't have more inner child healing or work to do. We always do. I think that we're just onions, just keep peeling the layers back. Um, but I think that's a good place to. Um, to date from so I think it's more of a check-in than a checklist okay yeah that that's helpful I think that would I, I would find that helpful so I hope the listeners would too and 
I would love to get your take on this. Seeking validation, like you go out with someone successful, someone good looking, and you feel awesome about yourself and the relationship goes well, you feel even better about yourself. But if the relationship crashes and burns and you start thinking that, oh, this person was always out of my league, I, I overreached. You know, people do that. We do that all the time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. seeking validation, seeking external validation, do you think that's completely wrong? Or do you think that there is like, you have to seek validation, right? You have to seek, it's sort of a feedback. Yeah, so let me let me tell you this. So first of all, that example you just gave me, like yeah. that's inner child work, right? Like yeah. if a relationship doesn't turn out the way you want it to turn out um, and you make it mean something about you, then that tells me there's inner, there's inner child healing to do for sure before you, before you do it again. But that doesn't mean seeking all validation is bad. So let me, so let me give you this example. Let's say you're going on a date and you're, let's say you're in a relationship. And so your, your, your partner is taking you out for a hot date on the town. It's not COVID anymore. And so you're upstairs, you're getting all ready. You bought this new dress. You're putting your dress on, you're putting your makeup on your jewelry and you look hot. And then you're walking downstairs yeah. and your date's going to, or your partner's going to see you for the first time. What do you want them to say? You look hot. You look good. You look sexy. You know, (laughs) so like that kind (laughs) of validation, that is normal. And that's good. Like we, we, we do need some validation, but if once, once your worthiness starts depending on it, you know, like, Oh, that person's out of my league. I guess I got to stay in my league. Like that's a worthiness thing. That's, that's where the line's drawn. Okay. That makes sense. I know that this is something we all struggle with. Some of us remember to draw the line at some point and a lot of us, but a lot of us get carried away and we forget that there is a point where the validation has to come from you. So I would love for my listeners to make a note of what you've just shared. And now if uh, you were to recommend resources to uh, the listeners, the resources, books, podcasts, I know there's your podcast, of course, so I would strongly recommend that. But any other book, any other blog, website, anything that you would recommend to the listeners that could help them explore this area? Yeah, well, definitely my podcast. (laughs) Give me a little shout out, The Love Life Connection. Um, Let's see, I'm trying to think. So I think I really like the book Attached. Um, A lot of my clients really like it. Um, and I think it'll help you understand a little bit of why you do what you do and why other people do what they do. Um, my only precaution with that is, um, sometimes we can over-identify like, oh, I'm anxiously attached. And it's like, I am anxiously attached and that I am, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's almost like an over-identification. And so while it's, it's more helpful to be like, oh, I have anxiously attached tendencies, you know, so that's just the one little caveat I give with that yeah. book. But I do think that is, um, I think it's a pretty good book. It's a really good book, actually. Um, and then, oh, shoot, there's another book that I really like, and I can't remember the name of it. It is called, I think it's called Attract the Love You Deserve, Attract the Love You Want, something like that. It's something like that. And it's like written by two therapists, and they do like basically it's it's a little bit different, but basically it is inner child work, and it's like looking at how your parents and it's it's really really good. Yeah, it's really good. I recommend that one. Yeah, I think I think these are a lot to get started with, and then beyond that, like I would honestly actually avoid all of like the dating advice and just because you got to do what works for for you. So I think beyond that, I think just having some sort of like meditation practice so that you check in with yourself and that's going to help you build and increase your intuition, which is going to make dating so much easier. You know, so it's less about like, oh, let me learn all the dating tips, but more of like um, 
how can I strengthen my relationship with myself? Okay, that makes sense. And uh, now for the one question that I ask all my guests, uh, if you were allowed to only give one advice to the listeners, an advice that can help them enhance the quality of their life, what would that one advice be? Mm, That is the one thing. You know, I've been asked this question before in a podcast and they give a really good answer. And I'm like, what was that answer? (laughs) (laughs) Because there's so so many like one things, you know what I mean? Um, So... Let's see. The one thing that I would tell people is, you know, I think it kind of goes back to the theme of the conversation that we've had today, which is no one gets to dictate your lovability or your worthiness. No one gets to dictate that. Beautiful. That's beautiful. So that was Veronica Grant, and I am so grateful to have had her on this show. If you want the list of resources mentioned in this episode, you can get it on my website, redefinednarrative.com. Search for the podcast episode, and there should be a list of resources and links for you to explore. And if you want to get in touch with our guest, the page will have all their relevant information. Now, if you found today's episode useful, please rate and review the show on iTunes or share it on Instagram. It will help others find the information should they need it. Remember to tag me at mehra underscore krapi so that I can thank you for your time. And if there is any particular issue or concern you would like for me to cover on the show, reach out to me on Instagram or use the contact page on my website. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week. Till then, please do take care of yourself. Thank you.